Hello and welcome to episode 145 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and God podcast. Back to being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, it's the Random Show. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And like I said in the intro tonight, it's the random show. And this is an episode dedicated to a multitude of topics, and none of which are worthy of a complete episode. Now, as I promised in last month's crazy travel roundup, here's an update on my recent road trip back from Georgia. So as a recap, I spent a week or so up in the uh, Duluth, Georgia area, stayed at the Hampton Inn. COVID-wise, they're still requiring employees to wear face masks. They still have the plexiglass riot shield across the counter when you first walk in. When it comes to patrons, they're recommending a mask. They are not making it mandatory. The break the seal sticker that has been across every single door jam and every single hotel that I have visited in the last year was still in place. However, they were actually serving a full hot breakfast So nothing better than getting my opportunity to get some nice, fresh, aerated frozen apple juice. Now for my return trip, we stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn in Valdosta, Georgia. This is a hotel that I've stayed at many, many times over the last 10 years. It's a good kind of midway point if I'm traveling late coming back from Georgia or coming back into the state. It's a great place to stay. Things at the Hilton Garden Inn in Valdosta, Georgia were a little bit different. While the staff was wearing masks, there was no, believe it or not, break the seal stickers across the door jam. But the biggest change that I experienced was Hilton's recent decision to drop the elite breakfast program that began on July 1st. Hilton posted this announcement through the end of the year, Hilton will be offering a food and beverage credit instead of providing a free breakfast as a Hilton elite member or as a Hilton elite benefit. Well, here's what I got at the Hilton Garden Inn. I got $10 per day. It was only a single night stay. So I got $10, which was nice. And since I was traveling in tandem, we got a total of $20. Now, the positive is that you can use that anywhere on the property. Again, that's nice. The negative is that $10 or even $20 will not buy you a Hilton Garden Inn breakfast for one or two people. Now, during both days, I was presented with the to our valued guest letter sitting on the desk inside every room. And it contained or covered the outline of the housekeeping procedures, the towel refreshment policy, and of course, asked us to place any trash in the hallway at night for daily pickup. So I guess now all the uh, bugs and whatnot can congregate in the hallways instead of having to find their way to each individual room. But on the heels of that, Hilton actually might be saying good riddance to their housekeeping program altogether. And of course, why? Well, they're trying to keep their 2019 hotel room pricing in place, while at the same time, they're trying to spend less. And what better way to spend less than to reduce headcount? Now, permanently getting rid of housekeeping at Hilton Properties has the travel verse and the interwebs whipped up into an absolute frenzy so much so 
that road warriors are actually threatening to leave Hilton for Holiday Inn. I don't know many people that would ever leave Hilton for a Holiday Inn reward program. Maybe I'm not most people, but the reason that they're citing is that Holiday Inn offers both free breakfast as well as daily housekeeping. Now, I have stayed at some Holiday Inn Expresses, and they do have some rockin' cinnamon rolls in the morning, but I, I don't know if I would leave Hilton for that. And you know I would have to have a take on this. So first, one of the reasons that I stay at a Hilton Garden Inn is their free cook-to-order breakfast. Probably one of the best values out there for an elite travel program, one of the best perks out there. It's a great breakfast. I'll take the $10 credit. I'll use it to pay for the last beer of the night or something. I'm not going to get that bent out of shape over it. But second, housekeeping. Are you seriously going to brand hop over the fact that there's no one to clean up after you each day? At home, do you get a new clean towel every single day? Do you empty your trash cans every single day? If you want to migrate over to IHG, which is the Holiday Inn Partner Travel Program, consider this. Their top level is the Spire Elite level. This requires 75 nights inside a calendar year or collecting 75,000 qualifying points. There's less than 25 weeks left in the year. That's three nights per week, including holidays, being on the road. Now, I know we're all traveling more and more, but I can tell you right now, I don't know that many people that are spending three nights on the road each and every week. And if you're not going to make it that way, you can buy your way into their Intercontinental Ambassador Program or Ambassador Level for a mere $200. So here's my tip. If you want to brand hop, don't do it mid-year. Wait till January 1st. Now here's a question I dare to ask, but can women hack Disney parks for free t-shirts by showing their boobs? Fair question. Amanda DeMio posted on TikTok her hack for scoring a free shirt at Walt Disney World theme parks. And here's the skinny, according to Amanda, show a little bit of underboob, and I don't know how much underboob you have to show, and you get a free Disney shirt of your choice. Amanda recently entered the park, and Disney wrote her a ticket, possibly an underboob ticket, I have no idea. But next, Amanda was able to convert that ticket into a free t-shirt, a Disney t-shirt valued at 75 bucks. So when I first read this, first saw this, my BS meter immediately went off. So I headed over to Snopes, and there might just be some legitimacy to this, as I saw at least one other person supporting Amanda's claim. Now, we do have one of the residents here at Chateau Relaxo work at a theme park in the Orlando area. And I asked them, I said, does your park have a policy along these lines? And their reply was, absolutely not. So maybe the BS meter has come down a little bit. Um, but hey, if you're willing to show some underboob, you can get a $75 t-shirt. Make mom and dad proud. The internet's a funny thing, and it has a way of reminding you of your past. Case in point, I wrote a 2017 blog post, why working remotely is better than working in an office full of people. And this 2017 post showed up in my memories on some social media page. And if only I had a crystal ball way back in 2017. 
So let's see what has changed in the last four years. In 2017, I wrote, for most of my career, I've worked remotely, even before it was the thing to do. And 2020, it is the thing to do. Everybody this last 18 months or so has been working remotely. I went on to write, I've always had an actual office with a door and everything, and I still do. I don't spend a lot of time in it. Normally my office is an airport, a hotel, a customer site, a rest stop. And at the time, 2017, every so often my home. Well, in 2021, more often than not, my office is now inside my home. But a valuable lesson, I tell this to all baby road warriors, is that nothing good ever happens inside an office. In 2021, that is still absolutely true. So back in 2017, I had a list of some of the advantages of working remotely. The first one was fewer interruptions. Monday, 9 a.m., you're in the office, you head in fueled on caffeine and a prayer that no one asks you anything requiring more than a yes or no answer. 9.45, that meeting ends with the agreement to, guess what, meet again, or as we like to still say, circle back around later in the week. You head over to the cubicle farm, and on the way there, Brad from finance grabs you for one of his infamous, do you have a minute questions. 30 minutes later, you're probably 80 to 90 minutes into your day, you're already behind, and you can plan on this same scenario happening multiple times throughout the week. Another one of the advantages that I wrote about in 2017, working remotely allows you to save money. What? Yes. Grace won't be hitting you up because her son is selling wrapping paper for his last place football team. Mike and the Cub Scouts, they won't be looking for you to load up on those holiday tins full of popcorn. And uh, side note to the Cub Scouts, everyone throws away the buttered popcorn section. It sucks. Give us more cheese and caramel. And then don't get me started with Janice and her colorful sign-up sheet for Girl Scout cookies. When you work remotely, none of that happens. Well, guess what? In 2021, the internet might have replaced those face-to-face -face interactions. I've seen kids putting together websites and GoFundMe pages, selling all of their school good wares. I also wrote that working remotely in 2017 was healthier. You know, you walk into the break room looking for a second hit of caffeine only to find a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts or a box of Dunkin' Donut Munchkins. And how about some mid-morning pizza? You know, picture this, it's Monday morning, you're two hours into your weekly diet, but this time it's gonna be different, right? Nobody starts a diet on Saturday or Sunday. We all wait to Monday. You walk into the office break room and find out that Jim's wife has decided to surprise the office with a pan of her warm, slutty brownies. And you say to yourself, oh, well, there's always next week. And actually, my doctor once thanked me for working remotely, or at least had my health thank me for working remotely. Well, guess what? In 2021, every trip to the bathroom requires a quick detour through the kitchen. Another one of the advantages at the time was you could basically be committee free. If you're not there grazing through the cubicle farm, you can't be quote unquote nominated to be on a committee. No birthday committee, no picnic committee, no holiday party committee. If you want to be a team player when you're working remotely, you can always volunteer to be on one of these committees. And since most of these committees need meetings, your services are useless. 
But guess what? You'll be a hero for volunteering. Well, in 2021, we now have Zoom and Teams at our disposal. And uh, guess what? You're getting sucked into communities and committees. In 2017, I also wrote that working remotely allowed for no drama, which at the time and probably still is true, can add years to your life. Inner office drama to me is like a wood rasp on my nerves. It could be from the passive aggressive refrigerator notes to wondering who in the hell took office supplies off your desk. It's absolutely exhausting. Years and years ago, we had an incident in the office. It was actually when I was based out of Atlanta. So I would be in the office one day a week, maybe two days a week, but it was a restroom incident. And of course it was the women's restroom and our women's restroom had three stalls. And at the time we had three women working there. And so it seems somehow that each the women had negotiated their own personal stall for whatever reason, which was fine and good until one of the women went into a stall that was not hers after a very hearty lunch. I'll let you put the rest of the story together, but let's just say there was a stream of emails and eventually a trip to human resources. Now in 2021, there is less workplace drama with not as many people being there, but this was recently brought back to the surface when one of the Chateau Relaxo residents got their first real corporate job. They'd been employed for only a few weeks when someone in the office, someone that they had never really interacted with, had a birthday. And we all know what that means, a $5 contribution at minimum to the office birthday present pool. And they were perplexed as what to do, rightfully so. My suggestion was that, look, $5 was a cheap entry price into the office inner circle. And looking back across my career, one of my very early jobs, I was again, based out of Atlanta, we had an office administrator that was in charge of not only collecting the birthday funds, but she was also in charge with ordering the cake and purchasing the group gift. After a year or two of this, someone did the math and figured out that every time there was a birthday, this woman was getting about five bucks from everybody. I think there was 30 or 35 of us in the office, but she was pull, pulling in at least 150 bucks. Every time there was a birthday, she'd show up with a $12 cake from Publix and maybe a $30 gift. I mean, this was 1990, so 150, 160 bucks actually could get you something pretty decent. And after a year or two, we figured out that this woman was probably pocketing 90 bucks to $110 every single time somebody had a birthday. Now, while working remotely, has it advantages, it does have disadvantages because often you're the last to know things. For instance, working remotely, you never want to be called into the office and they tell you, make sure to bring your company issued laptop as well as your company car keys. Early July in Florida has already had its first let it go Hurricane Elsa. A category one hurricane, but a hurricane nevertheless. And a side note, if you're not a weather aficionado or you don't live in the South, tropical storm is anywhere when the winds are between roughly 40 and 72, 73 miles an hour. A category one hurricane is when the winds break over 73 miles an hour. And I think it goes up to 90 or 91. But a hurricane, regardless of its classification, causes a couple things. First, it's a general reminder that we live in Florida and it is now hurricane season. The other, it allows for all the amateur weather prognosticators to tell us 
that a hurricane this early in the season is a clear indicator that it is going to be a busy hurricane season. Whatever. Hurricanes are weird. You can have up to a week's notice of this impending doom, and all you can do is sit and wait and listen to the news. And during the week leading up to this impending doom, Floridians tend to experience a variety of things, such as you will see meme after meme of guess who, Jim Cantori, and they all carry the common theme of you know it's about to get real when Jim Cantori shows up. We've all seen them. We all get them. Please don't send them. Please don't forward them to us. We know about them. You will also stock up on booze and snacks. Makes sense. Problem is, three days later after you stock up and the hurricane still hasn't showed up, you will have eaten most of your snacks and drank most of the booze. And of course, we all rush to make sure that our generator is in tip-top shape, something that we should have done way back in February or possibly January. And my favorite is the Nextdoor app will completely embrace the impending doom or the impending hurricane, replacing all of the normal posts that we see, such as, was that gunshots or fireworks? Oh, there's a door-to-door scammer coming through, dirt bikes and quads on the public roads. If you have the Nextdoor app, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All of those posts will be replaced with posts about the impending and incoming doom from the hurricane. And when it comes to hurricane prep, the worst is that one neighbor that begins boarding up his house four to five days before the predicted landfall. In 2018, when neighbor McNeighborly across the street from me began prepping, this guy was literally nailing plywood to his windows and we live in the middle of the state. But I felt like I should be doing something. I didn't want to be that one neighbor that, you know, wasn't prepared. So I went to Home Depot and bought some batteries. I think I grabbed a couple lanterns and, of course, an AM radio because we know we need that. And four years, three years, four years later, none of these have ever been opened. So back to Elsa. She rolled north through Florida July 6th and 7th. The CEO and I were headed back south into Florida July 6th and 7th. But we had planned that stop in Valdosta the night of the 6th and took advantage of at least one more night free of kids and dogs. And at this point, we knew the storm was really going to bypass O-Town. However, we predicted that we'd spend at least three or four hours the next day driving back home through the rain. And that prediction did come true. During dinner that night, the CEO asked this question, if an approaching hurricane is going to be catastrophic, will a hotel comp your stay? And the answer to that question is yes and no, or no and yes. Now, in the case of Elsa, Biden did approve an emergency declaration for the state of Florida on July 5th, and actually not the whole state, but roughly 15 of the 67 counties. And the declaration allows FEMA to coordinate all disaster efforts focused on alleviating the hardship and suffering caused by the emergency on the local population. And FEMA is also tasked with negotiating and providing the vouchers for hotel rooms as well as other items during and after uh, the disaster as well. Outside of that, the private sector will oftentimes step up. Uh, During the 2018 Hurricane Florence, as it moved up the East Coast, Airbnb opened up their Open Homes program, which, believe it or not, has found temporary housing for over 50,000 people over time. And both the Atlanta and Charlotte Motor Speedways opened up their on-site campgrounds for people for places to stay. 
And you'll see a lot of local hotels provide greatly reduced rates to patrons. Now, Florida airports took note of the storm. Uh, most affected was Tampa. They shut down flights at 5 p.m. on July 6th and reopened the next day. Airlines followed suit as well. They put out travel alerts for July 5th through the 7th. Uh, most of the majors, Delta, Southwest, American, JetBlue, and Frontier, all had posted alerts for Fort Myers, Tampa, Sarasota, as well as uh, Bradenton. United Airlines doubled that and put alerts on eight of their airports, but Air Canada completely missed the mark with travel alerts for the Fort Lauderdale Airport as well as Orlando. Now, one to never miss out on a financial opportunity, Disney added hurricane meal kits to their menus at select holiday and resort hotels. So one of the adult-themed kits included a bagel, cream cheese, yogurt, cereal, and a small low-fat milk, fresh fruit, and some sort of orange juice, eight bucks. The other adult kit was $10, had a turkey and lettuce wrap, fresh fruit, carrots, chips, chocolate chip cookie, and a large Dasani water. Not the greatest value on the planet, but I can tell you what, you'd never get that much food inside a Disney park for eight or even 10 bucks. A bottle of Dasani water has got to be at least $4 inside the park. But had Elsa hit, you could have at least gotten a couple meals for a $20 bill. Thankfully, Elsa did not leave a trail of destruction. And by Thursday, Florida was back to its normal meth, old people, exotic cars, and still lots of plastic surgery. I was recently on the website View from the Wing. Uh, author Gary Leaf or Leff, L-E-F-F, posted an article, his five biggest travel mistakes and mishaps. Uh, one of them was showing up at the airport in the afternoon for a morning Sydney flight. Uh, he said he snuck into a United Airlines club lounge when his ticket would have let him in for free. He says 20 years later, he still feels rather dumb about it. Uh, he showed up at a Bangkok hotel only to learn that he had made a reservation for the following month. And he let his AA Advantage miles expire when he was a teenager. So this got me thinking over two decades of business travel, what would be my top five biggest travel blunders? So the first one, using my company issued credit card for the first five years of traveling. I missed out on a lot of points and a lot of opportunities those first five years. Number two, I let multiple free flights on AirTran expire at the time. I didn't realize how important or how, what the value was of free airfare. I've talked about this one before flying into the Buffalo International Airport, but booking my rental car at the Buffalo Niagara Falls Airport. And I remember looking at the Hertz uh, desk clerk and going, two airports, who knew? Well, apparently everybody but me. Number four on that list would be a flight back into Atlanta. We were diverted to Columbia, South Carolina. They offered to let us off the plane. I decided not to get off the plane, not to grab a rental car, and not to drive back to my house or to my car at the Atlanta airport. Eight hours later, we finally made it back to Atlanta. The car trip would have taken less than three. And one that I've talked about here many times is the accidental car rental. The CEO and I had a trip into Nashville, Tennessee a few years ago. The plan was no rental car. We're gonna do it all through Uber or Lyft, whatever it took. And the plans were going well. We had tickets to the Grand Old Opry. 
So we Ubered over to the opera. You had a couple hours before the show. So we went over to the outlet mall next door and found the Nashville moonshine store where you could buy legal Nashville moonshine. And we did. We bought four or five bottles, probably $100 worth of this legal moonshine to bring back to the entrepreneur and his friends. Headed over to the Opry, only to find out that they would not allow you to bring anything inside to the Opry, especially liquid. Well, I knew next door was the Opryland Hotel. I knew they had a Hertz booth over there. So we scurried over to the Gaylord Opryland Hotel, grabbed a rental car, threw our official Tennessee legal moonshine into the back seat, parked the car, went in, saw the Opry, came back out, went about the rest last two or three days of our trip, and then dropped the rental car back off of the airport. We paid about 175 bucks for a rental car to save us $100 worth of moonshine. Now the car did come in use. I mean, we did, we were able to go do a little bit of driving and looking around. But that's probably one of the bigger bigger blunders. I probably could have figured out almost anything other than that than having to rent a car. Finishing up with one last question. Are you a pizza expert? Are you the person that when it comes time to order pizza, other than you having the password for the website, are you the one they ask for recommendations? And if so, here's an opportunity for you. Here is your chance to be the head of pizza for your own state. And this is sponsored by the app Slice. And Slice goes on to say they are looking for 50 state representatives to join their Slice PIE Society. And that's the promotion of independence everywhere. So PIE is the acronym. And it looks like they did that one in reverse. It looks like they came up with the letters of PIE and then went about trying to find words that made somewhat sense. And they came up with promotion of independence everywhere. But this is your opportunity through Slice to become your state resident at a pizza. Requirements, pretty straightforward. You know, maybe you were the guest of honor at your pizza delivery guy's wedding. You have to be passionate about your community and supporting small businesses. You know, there's a lot more of the requirements, but basically it comes down to really liking pizza. And your responsibilities, pretty straightforward there, eat pizza visit and or order from new pizza shops every week. So if you have a favorite pizza shop, you're not gonna get to go there every single week. Capture content and then share that unique story behind that pizza. And of course, evangelize your state's best pizzerias. Qualifications, minimum 10 years experience eating pizza, knowledge to the half second of how to microwave leftover pizza to perfection, I would take issue with that. If you really want to reheat pizza, pull out that air fryer and use that. Don't use the microwave. And one last qualification is understanding of which pizza styles should be eaten folded and which ones should be eaten unfolded. And if you get this job, here's what you get a year supply of free pizza, not all at once. You get a content creation kit to document your pizza journey. So that's the give that you're going to give back to Slice as you're going to prophesize or evangelize their social media platform. You get $500 towards travel throughout the year. They don't give you $500 cash. I think they give you four $125 gift cards. And of course, you get a whole slew of Slice gear to show your pizza pride. Well, there you have it. Tonight, we covered a lot. It was the random show. We covered the changes at Hilton. We talked about a little bit of underboob at Disney, Hurricane Elsa, 
my top five biggest travel mistakes and of course your chance to be your state's head of pizza like i said it was going to be a random show i hope you enjoyed it if you want detailed show notes links pictures head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories that's podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories you can leave me a message on anchor shoot me an email travelfrick at gmail.com that's travelfrick at gmail.com as I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.